who do I even start looking at? Because there are so many people out there who are doing this work, um, which is good, but then I I feel like uh, decision paralysis. Hiya, and welcome to the Podcast Owner's Manual. This is your handy reference guide to taking care of your podcast and yourself. My name is Mark. I am your podcast producer, consultant, and coach. And today I'm chatting with Carrie Gillen of the Vocal Fries podcast, who wanted to know all about how to find an editor for her podcast who can help her with at least some of the load of editing episodes. Now, If you're editing with two or more participants, it can start to get a little bit overwhelming, especially if those involved aren't experienced podcast guests. Now, whenever I'm having a conversation like this, I like to dig in underneath those pain points to try and find out what is causing them and and what might be underlying them. So that is how my conversation with Carrie kicked off. Sometimes I'm excited to do it, but usually there's a feeling of dread because there's multiple people that I have to edit. And if, and if anything has gone wrong, <laughs> I have to, you know. So for example, the one I'm editing right now, the guest edit, uh, audio is really echoey, like in a way that's clearly mechanical as opposed to from the room or whatever. Yep. And uh, that's new to me. <laughs> Luckily, we'd also recorded the Zoom, which is not the greatest audio, but it was uh, better, definitely better. And uh, so I can still salvage what's going on. Plus, on my end, I had stopped the recording because I thought I hadn't been using my mic. Uh, started again, and the, the file is just, there's a file there, but it's just blank. There's no sound, so I also needed the Zoom for that. So double lucky we have that, but it's just, uh, I don't know, starting to get to me. <laughs> that is going to happen. I, I think it happens more often with the sort of double-enders where you're using some kind of sync service whether it's zoom or skype or whatever and i used to do it back in the what feels like a millennia ago where i used to do it in in skype and we would have there were four of us and we would have three people with sort of okay sounding audio and then one person who always and it was always the same person always sounded like he was talking into a potato (laughs) and there was just nothing that i i tried all sorts of things to help with his mic to get it you know set up but there was just and our recordings would go for so long and we didn't get that much time to record. It was always, you know, a, a hassle getting us all together. So I just barreled through it and made it a problem for future Mark. So as a note to the listener, we encountered some uh, technical difficulties and I could have made that future Mark's problem. Yes, that's true. And said, I'll figure out how to get rid of this weird audio artifacting. I'm sure it'll be fine. And I think it can be tempting to do that as well with certain guests. If you've got a guest and you're very, you might not get this time again, but I think, and that, that's that's getting into a different question. But where I'm thinking there is, first off, what can we do to remove some of that pain <laughs> so that you don't feel quite so much dread uh, and maybe you feel a little bit more energized because then you can edit for the fun things that you want to do in your podcast. Because I'm going to assume there are bits about editing your podcast that you enjoy. That is true. I like being able to shape the uh, eventual outcome. So, you know, there, there are certain parts of the conversation that just don't work or I think are somewhat problematic because, you know, we're linguists and we have like particular views on how language works. And sometimes when we have non-linguists on, they still have ideas that are like some varieties of English are better than others. And we definitely do not want to be propagating that message. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, stuff like that. I So I, I do feel good <laughs> at the end of the process. Oh, hey, look, I've shaped this into something that 
makes sense for us as a podcast. And it sometimes sounds better than other times, but at least is conversationally what I want. Yes. So I would wonder, and I see, I know there's so many people that are going to hate what I'm going to say. Um, because I was one of them. I I think I used to think that audio quality, that sort of almost nebulous, like audio quality, whatever that means, really matters. And it does to a degree. There are aspects to which it matters, but I think what matters more is the presence and how close you are to the microphone, because that's to do with how close you are to the listener's ears. If someone sounds like they're feet away from the microphone, then that's no good. But if if you're on a Zoom call... And if everyone's mic technique is okay, then maybe the Zoom call audio is good enough and you don't need to get everybody to record their side of the audio. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I definitely, uh, so for certain guests, we definitely do that. So uh, the most recent person that we recorded, he's retired. (laughs) We didn't want to try and make him uh, record himself. There are certain people who were retired who would have had those skills. He was not one of them. And so we definitely did not want to make his life miserable. And yeah, we definitely recorded the Zoom. I haven't listened yet, so I'm not 100% sure what it's going to sound like, but yeah. There are also the other tools, and I won't name the one that we used because we did encounter a technical difficulty, but there are tools that may alleviate this process. Yes, it's another subscription, but it might be that is the thing that tips you over into being able to enjoy the process a little bit more and actually probably spend less than you would on an editor. Um, Here's me not actually answering the question that you asked me to address and instead trying to answer the question I want to address, Um, just because I think it would be helpful. So you've got Riverside and Squadcast, which I think are, are really useful tools for this kind of thing. That's exactly what they're there for. They're great for people who don't necessarily want to get into that whole aspect of, you know, what do we do here? When people use Audacity and why do I have to download it just to record myself and send you a WAV file? I don't know what that is. Right. Riverside tends to be, if I'm honest, it's the one I have the more experience with and I find it pretty frictionless. Once you understand, there's a couple of little quirks, but once you understand it, it works really well. Uh, I do also use Squadcast and I think both are great. I would look into that because that at least takes, at least for the most part, will give you uniform audio. The WAV files that it gives you will all be in sync. You can stop and start recording if you need to, but crucially, even if you do stop and start, again, those files are still going to be in sync. So you're not having to align all the recordings and do all of that admin stuff. And you don't have to deal with drift. I'm sure you know, as you've been editing conversations, slowly the conversations get out of sync. Yes. Not a problem when you use these tools. They automatically correct for that. I don't know how they do it. It's magic, but they do. Yeah. And so <laughs> that ends up being a thing you don't have to deal with. And then it just becomes, it, it's a question of how anal you want to be about certain things. I am anal about pauses uh, caused by lag internet. Yeah, of course. And especially if you're trying to have a snappy dialogue and there's this beat and then someone comes in with a big laugh. It's just, yeah, there's not tons you can do any any internet communication you're going to have that issue but then you've got tools like descript which will make it easier to deal with that kind of stuff makes it easier to deal with the gaps between words when people are speaking that's the software that i now use with all my editing clients and it's the tool that i recommend and i'm teaching it to people because uh you don't need it from the point of view of you know how to edit audio but you might find uh a great example 
is it's really good at helping you spot and remove repeated words. So someone gets halfway through a sentence or they, they say, well, the thing is, thing is, you know, the thing, you know, you know, you know, and they're sort of stumbling all through that kind of stuff. You can actually see those words and easily sort of deal with them if you want to. I have used Descript and I think I need to try it again because I found it a little frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would change who the speaker was after I'd said, no, this is me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it do, it do that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I found that frustrating, but I, I should try it There are ways to correct it and it has got better at that kind of stuff, uh, but they're not super. There's a few of those things that are not super intuitive. Uh, but there are ways that, yeah, because it will get that that stuff wrong. Uh, but there are ways to correct it. And then it will still fight with you. But it's the, the, the options there. But let's really tackle then the question of if you go through all of that stuff and you still sit down at the edit bay and you're like, yeah, no, this is sucking the life out of me. Then the first thing to do is, do you have a problem finding people? Is it like, who do I even talk to? Yeah. Who do I even start looking at? Because there are so many people out there who are doing this work, um, which is good, but then I I feel like uh, decision paralysis. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So there's a really simple, I think, an easy answer to this, uh, which is Steve Stewart runs the Podcast Editors Club, uh, which I believe is also on Facebook. And uh, you can also go to stevestewart.me. And one of the things, one of the services that he provides is... If you are looking for a uh, an editor, rather than post on the Facebook group, I'm looking for an editor, because then you'll just be deluged by replies. He gives you a, a recommendation of uh, a Google Doc that you can set up. And he says, these are the kinds of questions that I recommend you setting up uh, or asking, which could be things around experience. What software do you use? Because I think if you understand uh, Adobe Audition or Logic, it's good to work with someone who also works in that tool because then you can have a bit of a handoff if you want to be able to tweak something and you've got a shared language. So you can ask like what software they use, how, how long they've been doing it, what other kinds of podcasts they edit, that kind of stuff. What they, you know, How do they price? Because some people will price per hour, some people will price per episode, some people may be a mixture of the two depending on the length of the episode and the complexity of the edit and all that stuff. But what it will help you do is you can take that Google uh uh, yeah, create a Google Sheet, uh, create a form out of it, send that link to Steve, and he will then post it to his community and help you then collate the reply. So you, you'll manage all the process from there, but he will at least send it out to his people. And I found that to work. Uh, I, found a, I found a good editor that I work with through that. So yeah, that's a nice one. And then I think You'll get quite a few, and once you are able to whittle down to the ones that you want to work with or the ones that you think would be worth working with, I think it's good to have a listen to some of their stuff, make sure that it meets the kind of quality that you want, You know, try and spot those edit points. I think one of the things is if you can hear the conversation, if you can hear the edit points, then maybe that's not a great editor because the, the best work is invisible to us. It's, it's still a skill I'm learning. I've been editing podcasts for bleh, since 2008. And even on this one, I still notice not necessarily technical things, although there are some of those, more like pacing. It's too choppy. Like it's too, I don't give the listener time to breathe and all these kind of things. So have a listen. Once you feel like you found an, a couple of episodes that fit the kind of tone that you want to go for, then have a conversation with them, get on a Zoom call or whatever, and just get 
see if you've got a good feel for them. I, I tend to find that if you understand, if both parties understand where, where each one is coming from, again, it helps with some of that shared language. I think there's, there's personality in an edit. In, in a way, in a way that I can't really put my finger on, but you understand what I mean. And I think that will come through when you start to have a conversation. Perfect. This is really helpful, actually. There's also Steph Fuccio runs Podcast Editing Plus, which I think she's growing into a community as well. So definitely look up uh, Steph. Uh, she'll be she'll be you know a, a great one to, because I think one of the things that I was dancing around and I had a great conversation with someone recently is on values. And I think it's nice when we can work with people where there's connected values. Um, that's not important to everyone, but if it's important to you, then again, like getting to those conversations as early as possible and figuring out like, are we speaking the same language in terms of what we value in communication, what we think is important, whose voices we want to amplify in those conversations is, is good. Exactly. That's exactly true. I hadn't even thought of that aspect, but yes, we really care about that aspect. So thank you. The difficult bit is some people get a little antsy about this. Uh, and I've seen people, I've got in fights with people on Facebook groups about this because there are lots of people who want podcast editors. And so podcast editors are now, they're feeling a little bit, some of them, not all, but there are some of them who are feeling a little bit plumped up and a little bit cock of the walk. Like I'm a commodity. It's a seller's market or buy it or whatever. Um, and, and so it, it feels like things are in their favor. There is plenty of demand. And with that, there is a degree of complacency forward slash arrogance that can come out. And again, having these conversations will really help. But what I'm leading to is some people will bristle at the idea of, can we do a trial? But consider whether that's something that you want to do. See if, feel that out with the editor, if that's something they're comfortable with. I don't know if I would be, uh, just based on the amount of time that I have available. I might say, why don't you just pay me for one episode and then we'll see how we go from there. So just have that in, in mind as well, that it's possible you might have to do one or two trials. And again, the nice thing is at least if they're using the same software you are and there's only a couple of things that you want to tweak, you can at least make those tweaks or, or whatever. So That's a good point. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I, I mean, I know that something will bug me and because I'm not even that much of a perfectionist when it comes to audio, but just I know there's going to be something. But so if I can just like tweak it at the end, that will not make me, you know, feel as overwhelmed. It will just be a nice little... <laughs> <laughs> polish. Absolutely. And it might even be that there are certain aspects of the editing process, especially again, if you're in the same app, and this can be true of Descript as well, but if you're in the same sort of ecosystem working on a shared project, you might be able to still get access to the bits that are fun for you. So get them to do the admin bits uh, and aligning the tracks and getting all of the volumes right and dealing with all the processing and maybe removing some of those ums and, and, and the gaps. And then giving you something back, which you can then listen to and edit for content or even listen through and then give, put markers in and say, remove this or do this. You know, it's, it might give you the opportunity to still have that ownership, but also because yeah, that control yeah, it could be, you know, if you've been used to exercising it as painful as it can be at times, it's still that thing of, yeah, I know that if there's that little bit there, I can remove it or whatever. So, yeah. So yeah, I definitely want someone who cares about other human beings, who thinks that it's important that we lift up voices that have not been heard as much before. Uh, and so maybe people who are slightly less picky about 
audio. So for example, we had Alice Wong. Do you know her? I don't think so. Okay, so she's uh, in the she's a, in the disability community. She has the podcast as well. So she is on a CPAP machine and you can't not have that. She can't, she ha- you know, so when we're recording, you can hear that sound. And so stuff like that, people have to be totally okay with, oh, there's going to be this weird sound in her audio. There's a, a thing there and, and that gets into all sorts of stuff about, because there is a temptation there to to want to remove that. But to some degree, it's, and, and maybe it's a conversation that you would have with a guest, I wouldn't want to assume, but I would think you don't want to leave, you don't want to process that out because it's part of the story. So yeah, it's the question has come up with people with like with speech impediments and, and stammers and things like that. There were conversations, I think in the podcast editors uh, Facebook group about what's appropriate to do there. And, and when you're dealing with someone who literally is just trying to think of what they're saying versus when you're messing with the personality or the pattern of someone's speech. And that can be a fine line as well. Absolutely. That's yeah. the danger of some of those tools like Descript is they can, if you wield a heavy hand, they can destroy the pattern of people's natural speech. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I definitely don't want to do that. I there Yeah. There is like, a, oh, this person, let's just start at the beginning of the second time they tried to say the sentence that I definitely do versus, yeah, this is just how they talk. And we just have to be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, how sensitive is price to you? You don't have to give a number, but is that a, how much of a consideration is that? It's somewhat of a consideration. We're, you know, indie. We do have our very first sponsor. I mean, we have Patreon money too. Thank you. So maybe going forward, we might have more money and it might not be that big of a deal. We definitely have enough to cover it. So yeah, I just obviously don't want to be spending all of our Patreon money on it. No, indeed. But the the beautiful thing there is that it's going to free you up uh, and your en- not just your time, but your energy as well to potentially spend on, on other things in the podcast as well. Do you get help from the uh, sort of other people on, from co-hosts and things? Are they helping with stuff? I do have a co-host and I've been trying to encourage her to do more of the marketing side because I just don't have the energy for it. And I think neither of us are great at it. And sh- I mean, we share like the guest scheduling side. It kind of depends on who's interested in what. But yeah, I definitely had to do most of the work because of the editing side. And then I have to upload it and all that stuff. I mean, the uploading is relatively easy, but you know, it's still like one more thing that I have to write up who's who's the guest and all that stuff. That's yeah, that was literally my next question is because that is that sometimes gets bundled into because I, I feel like podcast editor is somewhat of a nebulous term and so y- i guess you don't need someone to help with the title and the show notes and stuff like that no i mean probably i can do a better job of that side of it i mean <laughs> you know the person's not going to probably know the guest i mean sometimes it might be a famous person but most of the time it's just a linguist that only linguists know <laughs> well what i will say to that is as someone who's edited a lot of people that are maybe famous in a you know big fish in a small pond google is a wonderful thing and it can make you sound very smart and um That's my, you know i i do that because the way i edit is some people do a sort of hunt and peck where they just go and they find certain bits and they remove them whereas i'm i'm listening from the beginning through to everything, deciding what to do as I go. And in most cases, I'm writing the show notes as I go because my working memory, like I'm not going to remember the salient points at the end of the conversation. I need to be able to be writing them down. 
and so when it's guest, uh, you know, when there is a guest, I literally I'm just Google or LinkedIn, um, get a few details there, try and get a succinct bio, quick description of the conversation, and then the links to things people discussed in chronological order. That's my formula because it's just it's nice and quick and simple. So that's not everybody's. You know, there are there are episodes with beautiful and much more complex show notes, and yeah. And podcast editors not necessarily going to help you with that, but some will help you. And again, this is something you can ask. Is that something you want help with? That some of them will help with the the show notes and and taking some of that work off your plate as well. Depends what energizes you, really, because some of that stuff for me, mm, yeah, <laughs> I'd rather not. Yeah, I just yeah. want to have the conversations. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I I don't mind doing the show notes as much. That feels like a lot less work to me. And also the title can be fun to come up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, I struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be good to have a, a third brain in the mix. Yeah, if you've covered like three, four different topics in an episode and then like which one of those do you make your main title of your episode? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then I guess the the last thing is what is your release like schedule? What's your cadence? Yeah, at the moment it's once a month. But we were doing it bi- bi-weekly. So it would be great if we could get back to the bi-weekly. And so even if maybe once a month someone else was editing and I was doing the other one, that might be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could always start with that and then uh, time to tap the Patreon button and uh, and ask people and let them know, hey, you know, we can bring this up with a bit more help. Because I, that's one of the things I, I tend to find when you come to doing, like when you're asking for money is to be able to say, this is specifically going to help with X. You know, when I was raising money for my last show, I said, if we get up to whatever it was uh, a month, then that'll pay for handwritten transcriptions, which will make the podcast more accessible. And just having that goal in mind. So if you don't already have a goal like that on Patreon, it might not be a bad thing to say. If you get us up to X amount of money, it means we can release more episodes because we'll be able to hire an editor and I will have more energy. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought to do that, which is silly because of course I did the transcript thing, but uh, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And I'm sure there'd be people who'd be willing to help us get there. Yeah. I think it helps make the money aspect. It helps make the target more real and understandable and tangible to people that they've got something to help you aim for. And they're there because they support you. And so once they see what the mission is, I think I've, I've literally done that before when people have said, um, the show I listened to, they were going to bring on a new correspondent, um, and they said, if we get to this amount, then we'll be able to bring this new person on. I was like, great, new voice on the show. I'd like to, to help. And so I upped my Patreon as a result. So mm. it does happen. Why don't you tell the listener about your show and where they can find it, please? Sir, I'm the co-host of the Vocal Fries podcast, the podcast about linguistic discrimination. So we talk to, we usually talk to a guest or two about maybe their research or maybe some aspects of their language that they've been judged for. Uh, so we talk to people who work on Black English. We talk to people who, Newfoundland English, <laughs> London. Um, we've also talked about, you know, like uh, people from Ghana. Uh, the most recent episode is about Myanmar, which that's a whole can of worms that we couldn't even get into the whole situation there. But yeah, so, you know, the, these are the kinds of things we talk about discrimination through language, which is just a proxy for other forms of discrimination. So sexism, racism, classism, whatever ism or phobia you can think of, we do it through language just as much as we do it through anything else. 
And you can find us at www.vocalfriespod.com. That is magnificent. And I think you've got a new listener because that is a trap that I often fall into and then feel really bad about. And it's so it would be nice to to just hear more conversations from people who are on the thick end of that wedge because um, that's, I'm sure that's the wrong phrase, but yeah, who who feel those barbs because yeah, like language snobbery and communication snobbery is a thing. And um, yeah. Uh, really a thing. And it's really sneaky because we're taught to do it, especially in school, but not necessarily in school. And we think it's fine and normal. And it's not. It's bad. We just aren't taught that it's bad. So yes, you know. it's, it's not fine and normal. It's bad and wrong. It's bad and wrong. <laughs> Huge thanks to Carrie of the Vocal Fries podcast for joining me today. Uh, if you want to discuss anything uh, related to editing, uh, finding an editor, or working with me, perhaps employing me as your podcast producer, then mark at origin.fm is my email address and I'm always happy to have a chat about that. Uh, but there's links to everything we discussed over at podcastownersmanual.com. 